Do you want to start off? I feel like you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> I've earned this one. Hello, welcome to Conscious Convo, episode number 27. 28. No, episode 28. There we are. <laughs> You're with me, Craig Seaton. And Chet Carson. And it's been a good couple of weeks since uh, the last time I saw you, mate. Mm. So how has your trip been? Let's talk about that first. So basically, before we've even started this podcast, we've done it again. We've had half of our conversation already done. So we may have to repeat a few of the things we've said, but also we will go into new things as well. So we'll start off with Craig's time away with his friend. And yeah, over to you, Craig. Yeah, man, I went off to Lincoln. So that's east, east of England. Um, got a little Airbnb there, just out in the middle of farmland. Beautiful space. Just a little yurt, a little chilly at night. Um, but yeah, just a bit of time to get away and reinstall my practices. Really, you know, having the coming out of the last couple of months, thrown off a little bit really with my intentions and where I'm heading and getting a bit hedonistic, I suppose, like stuck in just a stale, stagnant kind of feel behind me and. Mm. Having talked earlier, I've mentioned it on the podcast, but you know, doing so much at the start of lockdown and giving out as much advice and or help and breathwork as I could with the Instagram thing and then turning that into the online community. Uh, I'm really smashing all the practices to so doing the yoga, breathwork, meditation, but too hard. Again, know yourself and me, I'm the pendulum, I'll go one way or the other. Yeah. And then I had that big slump where I was doing nothing. You, you know, came off social media for a bit as yeah, well. Yeah, I did that. That was that was part of it as well. It was like the, the reinstalling of like, where's my head at? What am I thinking? And what what things are distracting me and pulling me away? And even that, it was still part of the process of me uncovering what I was discovering in the week away. Like, why? where is my lack of clarity? And what is the message for myself? Like, where am, I, where am I heading? Not even that. It doesn't even have to go that far. It's like, why am I not feeling uplifted? Why am I not feeling... Um, a sense of connection or uh, not purpose or meaning but energy like it felt very stagnant so yeah going out there my whole goal was was my friend my friend Reese. shout out to Reese. like he you know phenomenal guy got really good mind on him one of those few people who are really into the spiritual life and to, to follow it through and understand what it means and he's, he's a very good way of speaking very good very big heart for compassion to help people understand and there's no problems with chopping up an ego you know if you need it which I think is a very valuable quality in your friend not someone who's just going to be like oh yeah yeah I understand or is that okay it's like maybe you need a slap you know maybe you need to relook at things um, yeah he's very good like that and he's a, he's a big fan of Sadhguru as well right so. they all are <laughs> they all are these freaks like us yeah that's what it's about man and you know, having that that clarity of, of a teacher there's a reason I think we're pulled to certain people and there's so much out there in the spiritual world like who do you follow who do you mm. listen to and Sadhguru has always been one that's always been a light there you know he's coming back to his teachings no matter what the myriad of other distractions are out there it's his name is always around his teachings are always always very pure to me and he feels the same anyway yeah he's, he was saying like I'm off for a tree do you want to come I was like yeah okay let's go we'll get out in, into nature as far as we can and for me, it was much more about finding my connection again and finding what works for me and to, to find that uplift. And I realized really, I've been in such a funk, you know, stuck yeah. and not seeing how down I was feeling about stuff. And this can happen in the industry that we're in or, you know, trying to push out the positivity to other people to help lift others up. But sometimes, you know, you, you, for me at least, it's remembering that 
I always want to feel authentic with it. And if I'm in a shitty place or I'm not feeling good, I want to know why. And sometimes you just got to put everything on hold, hence the social media distractions and also learning how to reintegrate that. But yeah, this was very much for me to to get into my practices again because not doing anything for the last few weeks or sitting down for meditation but not being fully invested you know mm. you just sat there and kind of waiting for the timing to go by without actually doing mm-hmm. the practice which is so easy for us to do um, so this was like right let's get dedicated again and it was every day we were doing the practices we'll do them in the morning we'll do them in the evening it'll be mantra uh, meditation uh, walk so talking meditation as well which is, is a great part like the there's an, an aspect of, of the talking you know you're not it's a meditation in the fact that you're not thinking like these they're, they're meditative in the sense we're, we're just talking it through we're not pre-planning the thoughts as such um, you know we have bullet points and whatnot. but when you're in depth of conversation it's purifying for the body it's purifying mm. for the mind and you, you, you uncover in that way in, in self-reflection so it was great just to be out there eating very clean, maybe two, well, one meal a day, but would snack on like fruit and nuts and things. And so were you cooking the meals yourself? Yeah, we had noodles um, and veg. Like we just bought a load of raw veg and that. Mm. We did get a, a, a just eat on one day. They got a burrito delivered out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> which was fun. You need civilized um, food sometimes. Don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, let's do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great, man. It just really helped me integrate again and, and, and pull this energy that I've been stuck in, you know, with with where I was at, I was having so many self-reflections on the things that I've done wrong or uh, how I'm battling myself or I should be better at this or just really negative. I don't have no problem with negativity built in the sense that I wasn't getting out of it. Mm. And, you know, you can still be a good person and function like people who are, you know, hide the depression or sadness or they don't acknowledge it and they're like out and being happy and everything but inside you're like, oh, something's not right and it's, you got to acknowledge that if you talk to somebody about it, but if not, go and figure out and, and work what has to be done with it because you can stay stuck in there forever if you want and you can have the story behind it and the narrative behind it and keep feeding that. Uh, or you can act upon it, you know, and just go, right, let's go, and, let's go and handle this. Let's see what's going on. And for me, it was really, I just needed to get back into the things that raised my energy. And a lot of that was, was the sincerity of the meditation, of the mantra and of the breath work and doing it again, like it, it came back to me very strongly yesterday, like my energy through the roof. Uh, again, no dependence on external stimulus, no need for anything to pick me up. By change, transforming that energy, which was mainly through my prana, through the breath work, through uh, the Isha Foundation, Sham, Shambhavi Mahmudra, which mm. I, I found phenomenal. It was phenomenal in, when I learned it in 2016 and it was part of my daily practice, but it kind of winded and you get thrown off like doing my kundalini yoga teacher training trying different ones and uh, as we were talking about all these books and other teachers it's so easy to get separated from what works for you because like oh there's something new to try oh where's that try and the good thing with um, when you find your steady practice whether it's silent meditation breath work whatever it is if it's energizing you or it's clearing you know prana or clearing emotions or mind that's the foundation and sometimes that simplicity with sincerity is all you need mm. you know and, and finding that the natural motivation comes with it so we were doing it every day and well I got back on Sunday and well, we're only on Thursday now but my alarm's set for 7am in the morning and then I have one for 7.15 so I use that time to recollect my dreams before I write my dreams down and install them in my head I write them down and then you know get up get out of bed 
and do these practices. And the practices themselves take, have taught me about an hour 15 in the morning. But even combating my own laziness to like, oh, get up and do it. It's like, mm. nah, just get up, get into the farm of it without the battle of the mind. And as soon as I've done them, the energy's up. And then the whole day's running smoother. Things, you know, like those little chores you have to do that might take you 15 minutes off now and you can't be bothered. That has gone. It's like, get this done, get that done, bang, 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 because the energy's raised and filtered. And it's not, it was not even something that necessarily had to be spoke about. It was cleansing, it was mm. clearing, it was raising. And it's amazing how simple that, that that can be. But with that needs a commitment to stay with it. So I'm doing it twice a day. The, the minimum practice will be the the Sadhguru's app. You know, if you follow the, the, all of them on there, mm. very simple ones, start with the, the Namaskar in the morning, doing a few simple movements, alternate nostril breathing, ah, ooh, mm, seven times each. Mm. Um, and then I'll go into my, the, the Kriya. So a bit of leg movement, cat cow, things like that. And then different styles of breath work and mantra on top. And yeah, it's like, ah, it was that simple. You know, just get back into it with some heart. So I'll do that in the morning and I'll just do the career again in the evening. Right, because that before peak, you go to bed? Uh, depends, depends how the time works. It's good, I can do it before bed, but in this practice of being lenient on myself, it's not like it has to be done at this specific time. Right. It's like, just get it done in the morning. First thing, yeah because I've got the time. It's like, if my first client now with lockdown, you know, I've not had any 6 a.m. clients or anything, mm. they've been nine o'clock. So there's no reason for me to not be getting up at seven and having that time to do my stuff and then having another 40 minutes just to, you know, have my shower, chill and get ready. It's like, these simple things that I'd got so lazy or sluggish or forgot how effective they are, going to bed at a certain time and waking up at a certain time, having commitment of a practice, but the commitment without the tension mm. of having to do it, you know, which is something I can be prone to. Yeah, it's been transform transformational again. Simple. And doing it before bed or in the evening just to cleanse from the day. Like, great, sleep's going really well and yeah, just feeling so good about it. Um, and I think having that commitment to something that uplifts you, whatever it is, but in, in conjunction with life because mm. it's providing nothing but benefits, you know. And seeing where I would hold myself back either through idleness or laziness, like, well, there's laziness. Do I want that quality within me? No. So just get up and do the thing or just have the cold shower or whatever, looking at all these formats of resistance that I would then create the uh, the narratives behind why I can justify not doing it. Right. You know, and it's like, that is always in humanity. That's always in within us if we get stale enough. And the other aspect really is, I was having a good conversation with one of my clients today. And we were talking about how when you get up and going, he's a similar mindset, like he's he's very achieving uh, towards business and, and how he sees his life. When he gets going, absolutely smashing it. And this is when the foot comes off the pedal because you're like, ah, right, I'm there now. And before you know it, without whatever the foundational base level of your commitment is, if that's not kept in place, you start to drop. And I liken it to like a bird, you know, a bird's taking off and it's flying, it's got its wings going and then it can just glide and it's gliding. And then if it stops flapping its wings at some point, it's going to glide down, right. you know, before it realizes. And it's like, yes, when you're up and running, maybe you can lean off the practices if you choose to, but what is the minimum you need to keep flapping the wings every now and again, mm. you know? And it's keeping that, that fire burning. For me, it'll always be these two times now. Again, I've done the dance enough times, in and out, what's working, what's not working. Tried many different routines and I know what's there and the simplicity of it which also comes down to narrowing down something that I've been working on since 
the November, which I spoke about as well as reading so many sources of information, books and courses, um, which are great, but how many pulls am I having? You know, how much information is required? Like still always learn, but not at the, at the price of what's keeping you afloat and what's keeping you balanced and what's actually necessary for your life. Mm. Like learn about other things, but there's so many good talks. There's another Sadhguru one about just have that one focus for what your main drive is for your life. And for me, it's, it's realization, it's self-realization. It's, it's working towards, um, removing the ego and and filling and becoming empty from that sense to be in service of life I don't think there's anything in my world greater than being in service of life mm. which requires the drop of ego but you also need energy and awareness to do that so the foundational practice to create that purify in the morning purify in the evening have fun and play around in the day by all means you know whatever that that works and you know, the trials of life but you've got these practices in place every day to keep that foundation strong and for that, again, it's cutting out sources that will lead to distraction. Um, so, yeah, man, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I just just feel incredible, again, from the simple means, mm. the narrative in my mind, you know, any self-defeating talk or limitations or uh, criticisms that are going out to the other world and being able to accept things. And it's wonderful. You know, we're talking, me and Maurice had some good conversations about and a mask or no mask or governments the big conspiracy or following the government and it's like all of this is the play of life and when we're picking a side we're closing we're sadhgurus don't make the conclusions we're closing the other opinion off mm. and it's like no it should be this way um, even in reflection of, of when we were discussing the protest is it for is it against perhaps there's always the middle ground and perhaps there's always the reasons like how do we do we always know um, other than having the conversation but without being hell-bent on being correct, mm. help, just just being open and understanding. The coin has two sides. If you want all of life, you have to have two sides mm. and to find freedom within that, you know, not rigidity. So it's been great. It's been a great process. And uh, yeah, man, it's just been committed simplistically, those two practices. Amazing. So there's a couple of things I want to go into there, but I think this whole thing that you mentioned does tie into the topic that we want to talk about today, which is loosely about the the pitfalls of self-help and also contentment so mm. the two sides and I think what you mentioned there about the books and just you know we can get into the mentality of digesting or devouring information continuously after one finishing one and going on to the next because we feel that is it's given as a dopamine release. When you finish a book and you've gone through a self-help book, it makes you feel all motivated. And as soon as there's a dopamine decrease, you automatically try and replace that with something else instead of actually taking the action towards solving the issue. Mm. So we end up falling into that trap. And there's an industry that obviously exists out there that kind of is it's worth 13.8 billion a year. All the self-help stuff that you watch, all the motivational stuff you watch, you know, there's a big industry out there and they make a lot of money based on people buying into courses, books, seminars, etc., workshops, based on this one insecurity where a person can't let go of the, uh, the sort of the feeling of, of feeling motivated or the dopamine release they get. So we can talk about that in a brief second, but in regards to what you were going through, it's very interesting. Um, I had my own similar parallels in regards to my meditation practice. I felt like um, my as time has gone on, if I look at the start of lockdown, um, my meditation time has gone from maybe 15, 20 minutes a day and it's bumped up by 15, 20 minutes a session 
and it's bumped up to about half an hour, 40 minutes. So right now my average time is probably about 35 minutes to 40 minutes per sitting. Um, and I do it twice a day. So once in the morning when I wake up and now I've suddenly become a morning person. Just saying to my friend Jade uh, this morning, uh, a shout out to Jade. Good shout out to Jade. She's been asking for a while to give her a shout out. So I'm going to embarrass her and give her, give her uh, a shout Jade's great. A lot of love for Jade. <laughs> and she was saying, um, you know, what's going on? Like you're up early this morning. I'm like, yeah, like it's because of class as well, teaching class early in the morning. But it's the fact that there's just some sort of feeling of peacefulness and, and calmness um, in before the sun rises and it's a perfect environment to meditate. This is why they say, you know, waking up four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning to meditate is a great idea. And yeah, so I felt like I was trying to strive for too much now. So I've done 40 minutes, but I want to try and bump it up to an hour. And it's not because of quantity. I'm not trying to achieve quantity. It's because when I have these meditation days, I, and it's more days now than it used to be, but I really get deep into the meditative practice and I go quite deep and then I suddenly realize I'm pulled back out of it. And then it takes a while for me to get back into it again, maybe another five or six minutes to get back into it. And then again, I'm in there for a bit. And as soon as I realize I'm in that state, I'm pulled back out again. And reading about this sort of process, this is how it is until you've developed a firm grasp of how to remain in that environment it'll pull you in and out and again like we said in previous podcasts this might just be uh the gateway i'm not even entered through the gateway yet this is just getting to the gateway um but yeah i feel like i was chasing a bit too much and i wanted to reading like for example we just talked about autobiography of a yogi going back into the book and reading more about the experiences of swami uh, yogananda and other people from other books like listening to the ISKCON guys talk about the Bhagavad Gita and, and their meditative practice and stuff um, I really wanted to, to experience that and I felt like everything I'm doing right now in life all the sacrifices I'm making they don't feel like sacrifices but if you look at what's been happening so for example I don't think I don't know if I mentioned this to you last time but I don't use shampoo in my hair anymore mm. and it's just become a very natural process i haven't done anything forceful to go today i'm just going to wake up and not use shampoo it's just happened over the course of time so what i've done now is instead of going with the intention of i need to do this i've gone with the intention of whatever i'm going through right now it will happen naturally plus if i look at where i was six months ago when i went into the lockdown process being a bit more anxious about how things were going to become uh, or how things were going to go uh, during the lockdown and after the lockdown, um, I'm definitely way more settled. Plus, I'm trying to take that intention into my meditative practice. So it's like, whatever I'm experiencing right now is exactly where I need to be. And I just need to not get too caught up with the quantity of trying to get you know to a certain stage, get into an hour mark or maybe pushing up to an hour 15, an hour and a half. Just enjoy what's going on right now and ride, ride with the wave. And the more I'm doing that right now, the more it's just getting some really crazy dreams and, and things are just kind of happening. But yeah, it's always, it's, it's, like, it's that chattering monkey or that materialistic mindset of just, I want more now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And to try and shut that off, it becomes a very interesting process. And also I want to talk about, talk about when you mentioned about the analogy of the bird flapping his wings, you have to also flap your wings. Once you glide, get to that stage where you're gliding, you also have to flap your wings a couple of times to stay afloat. But at the same time, you can also flap your wings a bit too much mm. and end up 
the story of Icarus mm. where he burns himself in the sun because he learns to fly which is what he always wanted to do it gets too high it gets too high instead of staying in the area where it is the free zone of the area that's the safe zone he ends up flapping his wings a little too much in the fear that he'll lose it mm. in the fear that he'll lose his flight he goes too close to the sun and he's burnt alive so this kind of idea it's always been in the back of my mind am I trying to flap a little too much sometimes so it's getting to that level where you're flapping and it's you're not flapping for any sort of you know, instant gratification or any sort of idea of getting to a particular destination, but you're just gliding through the air. So that's the kind of intent I'm going with, with my practice. Yeah, very healthy, man. Really good way to do it. Seeing that when the right time to flap is, right? Um, for me, it wasn't noticing that I wasn't flapping. Mm. I was just gliding and then coasting before I know it, I'm like coming down. I'm like, why am I feeling like this? It's interesting how we've oh. gone through the two extremes almost. <laughs> yeah, definitely. De- I mean, this is what it is, life, isn't it? We're going through these polarities. The pendulum's always going one way to the other until we, you know, we either step out of the pendulum or we find that the balancing mm. point of it and we're not pulled either way. And, and I think this is everybody's evolutionary process generally in one way or the other we're we're figuring these things out and you the conversation we're having before we started is you learn by going into it by doing it you know the planning and the the trying to understand it logically is a very small part of the actual process it's seeing and the reason we have these habits again and again this is what self-knowledge is like how many years have i been going real hell for levering something and then having to come right out and just oh, becoming an absolute stoner or a waster and not doing anything with my energy and then no time to get back on it you know I'm cracking a whip on myself almost to the you know the the aesthetics point leaving my arm in the air for 20 years or causing myself pain you know mm. to, to really drive and get somewhere and it's like oh these are my psychological functions I have to be very wary of those two states and seeing that I have to that, that I want to relax it and be in that middle point and knowing when I'm when to flap and when not and I think again the minimal foundational levels knowing what they are for oneself is is a great and a, a sturdy way to do it like I'll know if I'm going to get up at 7 to 7.15 yep the Monday was a bit like oh I'm going to get up and do this got up and did it Tuesday oh, Wednesday was like oh, it's time to meditate you know looking forward to it and waking up spontaneously for it as well setting that the natural alarm within um because these are, you know, it's, it's all, we all know so well, it's not having the big massive experiences that, that define who you are. It's what we're doing daily, the daily habits, the daily talk, the daily energy that we've got that will show us what our life is. And to commit that hour and a half in the morning to my spiritual practice, to my meditation, to my, my careers and my breath work, all that is going to do is give me a, a much better life and a much better sense of energy. You know, there's nothing mental or logical about it in the sense it's just do the practice get the feel and the purification from that side happens I, I can feel like this, the heaviness within me going because at one I'm you're committing to something and you're doing an action that's uh, that is purifying and it's of benefit to the body uh, to the mind and that alone it's like drink water every day you're gonna be fine or you could drink a litre of coca-cola mm. uh, or you could drink nothing like you know because you can get a few what is it four days without what eight days without yeah, water, yeah, something like that. That, yeah. so you could do that if, if you choose but your body will be dehydrated you'll be cranky and tired it's like what actions would one be willing to commit to that will bring something for the direction of their life and for me the main principle of my life is having that spiritual connection and understanding and becoming selfless for the overall goal 
it's not going to happen just from nothing, you know. Mm. And to have that commitment without the intensity is uh, is something that I, I'm really want to work towards and it is that do it in the morning do it in the evening if I get more in the day because I'm doing my kundalini yoga kriyas you know in, in my lunchtime or when the time comes but if I don't get to it there's no pressure on myself anymore because all I need is those two things the morning practice evening practice and I'll reach way fine yeah it takes a certain amount of maturity to get to that stage to a stage where you decide that I'm not going to go after this sort of spiritual pursuit in the way I would do with a materialistic pursuit, mm. which is the way, you know, we get taught in the West, which is go at it hard, which is again, ties in with the self-help culture, which mm. is go at it hard. And regardless of how you get to that goal, just try and strive as much as possible. And you watch any of the motivational people, people like Tony Robinson, uh, Goggins, what was his name, first name? David Goggins. David Goggins. And I think, um, just mentioning it, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but I mentioned it to my friend today when I was talking to him that uh, I watched a small little clip of uh, Joe Rogan talking to, I forgot his name now, the other podcaster that does it. Um, he's an engineer that used to work for Tesla. Uh, yeah, I forgot his name. But they were just talking about Goggins and how this guy said, I don't listen to Goggins anymore. And uh, Joe was like, how come? And he said, it's because this idea or this expectation of going hard at everything, everything you do, going hard at it and going with that intensity, it's just going to end up causing problems eventually. Like maybe not the first couple of times, but eventually it's going to cause you issues. Maybe in your relationships, maybe maybe in your family life, maybe in your work life, it's going to cause problems because it takes a certain character to go with that sort of mindset. And Joe Rogan described it best. He says, Goggins sounds like not a person who's doing it as an artist, the pursuit of art. He's doing it as a person who's in the pursuit of conquest as a conqueror mm. and having that mindset of I'm going to get this done regardless of what happens even if it kills me is not a healthy process to go through if you are trying to achieve a lifestyle where you know of contentment which is the opposite way of doing things which is being relaxed with what how things are and I think we mentioned it in a previous podcast the difference between being goal oriented and being process oriented it's the fact that you set these targets in mind but you don't almost burn everything alive like you don't you set you don't set the entire forest alight just because you're trying to escape the forest you know you might be lost in the forest and you're trying to escape the forest but you don't the answer isn't to burn the rest of the forest just to get out the way to do it is to find the path decide whether that's the route you're going to take and then if you need to switch that and divert into a different path then do it do it without any clinging or attachment towards the previous path but as soon as you decide you're going to go with the mentality you're going to burn everything ahead of you or behind you all you're gonna do is you're gonna hit a wall straight away. Mm. And I think that mindset is is what most of us are doing in the in the Western world, which is chasing materialistic, you know, objects or materialistic things like success, fame, uh, money, etc. With the mindset of I need to get there regardless of what. And I think again, it's a quote by Sadhguru that really, and I think it was from in, in engineering that really did strike a chord with me. He goes. The, the sort of having cars and having houses and having, you know, the success that most people have and considering that as joy is not actually joy when you realize that that success is only there out of um, someone else not being able to achieve it, out of comparison. So if, let's say, if I have a flashy car, a flashy house, if I feel good about that um, and, and I'm doing it because I feel like I've got this now, all you're really doing is you're comparing it to other people that haven't got it. So it, could you actually call that joy? You know, the joy that comes out from someone else's deprivation or someone else's misery, is that called joy? 
And that is the kind of culture we're, we're living in today, which is stepping on other people to get on top. And, you know, you have to sacrifice a lot um, internally as a person to get where you are. And there is a lot of respect out of that, that you sacrifice so many things for yourself. For example, you know, like we said in previous podcasts, you might be a good looking person and you sacrifice that to get to a high purpose. Um, you know, you might be successful in terms of you have a lot of money and you sacrifice that to do something else with higher purpose and give selflessly. Um, that internal sacrifice is a great achievement to have because it brings about humility. The other sacrifice, which is stepping on people's um, sort of toes of other people's sort of, you know, uh, achievements and stuff to get where you are, that is not the sacrifice we want. You know, that's not the sacrifice we, East, the, the Eastern approach or the spiritual process brings about. You know, if you're truly mindful, you would not be stepping on other people's heads just to get um, somewhere in terms of elevation. So that's something we have to be very mindful of. And going back to our approach to certain things, uh, for example, spirituality and our pursuit for liberation or self-realization or whatever you want to call it. Again, are we stepping on other people's heads through our desire to get where we want to get to? So this is something that we have to think about. And it's something that I think I mentioned to a few of my uh, friends who are obviously who are Indian and Hindus as well. Like, are you doing this because you are doing it generally out of the intention of getting somewhere through the process of growth or are you doing it because you want to show the people that you are growing as a person mm. I think that stepping on people's head as well doesn't just have to be seen as the physical mm. oh get out of the way and cutthroat in businesses and you know I know some real severe cases of, of that and people like purposely push other people away or in a direction to make them look better and it's like whoa you know I've seen it and it's ugly you know it's real whew heavy stuff that we're willing to do that for our own aspirations mm. and for what like because that's all material based or status based but stepping on people's heads like in an emotional sense or what we're mm. saying in our mind about other people like oh I'm better than that person because da 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 like we're still doing it in, in those elements and it's like ah I'm feeling that in here I'm aware of that in here let's let's quash that and having all having a spiritual understanding and seeing that everybody you know life is all of it life is all inclusive to everything to you to the, the, the individual people having their own life and expression but you're not you can't be away from that person or that thing or that energy or the way that person thinks or whatnot you know it can be like oh I hate that side or how or the reds hate the blues or whatever but it's like well you don't you actually enjoy that you have that rivalry mm. and you enjoy that you have that 100%, yeah. maybe that you like to go and beat the hell out of each other like the football games used to do like that was something they wanted to do hence why they did it you know wars well I'm going to go and kill you because I want the world to be this way and I'm not willing to reach an agreement or I don't accept those terms you know more on the aggressive perspective mm-hmm. or the oppressing you know who have to be fought against in that stance because then they're trying to take over the world and you know it's interesting that way when you look at um, sort of Buddhist temples I remember reading something Oh, it was a Facebook argument, actually. This guy had said to me a few years back, it was when all the, the early Brexit stuff was happening, and he was he was he said to me about, oh, Buddhism, um, have you, have you seen, seen this about Buddhists and Muslims and that the Buddhists were killing some Muslims? And it was, uh, there's more to it, but it was about, they were burning the Buddhist temples, and an extreme sect of, of Muslims, and then these extreme sects of Buddhism was fighting back. And it's like, what an interesting concept. You've got these... Uh, philosophies or religions that are based on peace and love and compassion and acceptance yet there's, there's war going on um, 
to save and protect their own ideals, which mm. you look at the, the Bhagavad Gita at times is required, like that fighting and that that war and what you have to do there and then, it can be very much required. But who's doing it? Mm. You know, where's it coming from? Is it coming from the ego that goes, right, I'm going to do the whole world over and this people and that group because I want to get somewhere? Or is it like, well, like this person has to be stopped and that's the only way that, it, that it's going to occur and otherwise the whole world's going to burn. Really fascinating. And again, that's broadening the approach to allow that in and coming from the sense of, of right action, which can be something that's seen as, as negative. Uh, you, you speak very well, better than I do about that um, that way of living. But it's right and it's you can still have sadness and anger and upset but accept or accept what's going on. You still have those emotions mm. and just trying to navigate through it and go, well, that hurts, but this has to be done, you know? I don't know if that's, that's been said clear enough there. Maybe you can clean that up for me a bit. No, no, I, I, I think it's completely right. And the Gita talks about war. And, and like we said previously in the, in the podcast that we did about the Gita, um, a lot of people that come into the Eastern approach and then they're, then they're, they're, they're told about the Gita and then they read the Gita, automatically the first assumption is why is this happening just before a war why is it a war like why is if krishna is the incarnation of god why is he telling arjun to fight in this war and it's understanding that there are certain principles that you are supposed to fight for you know and most times war or physicality is the last option when you've exhausted the other options and you know that there is no other way to do this then war comes into to the you know, sort of place just like when we on a playground and, you, and I guess it's a pretty crappy analogy but like most kids will get into a fight as the first sort of result but let's say if kids were a bit more mature and you talk about things and everything you still regardless of how you tell someone that maybe this approach isn't right maybe you need to try and chill out and go with this approach and they won't they're not willing to listen and you know you have no option and you have to fight them you know I think that sort of idea and Krishna says to Arjun, the only there are only certain scenarios that you're supposed to fight physically, and one of them is when Dharma, so the, the duty and the, the eternal sort of uh, law, is being threatened, and it was being threatened by the opposition uh, uh, Duryodhan, which was Arjun's cousin. So when that happens, then war is it has to be that it has to come down to war. But it's exactly what you said, which is you don't have the war in the intention that I'm going to elevate myself out of this whole war if I win this battle then I get the kingdom I get everything I want I get all the riches it can't come out of selfish action it has to come out of selfless action which is I'm giving myself to this war so then people in the future can live in peaceful times with democracy and, and spirituality marrying uh, you know politics and stuff and uh, yeah I think that's what separates the two sort of philosophies and again remember the Gita is based not only just on a external war but an internal war so, so Kurukshetra is the actual field the mind that you have that you have your war going on in um, so you're battling yourself every single day and you're asking yourself should I continue fighting or should I step away and, and not participate in this mental mm. battle so the only war we should be looking at individually and we should be encouraging is the war against the mind you know how your mind is telling you no, 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 you don't need to go to the gym or you don't need to get healthy. You'll find exactly where you are. So that is the constant battle that you need to fight. And funny enough, uh, Yogananda's second book, so not the autobiography, but he talks about the the psychology of the Gita. And I think it's called Arjun's Conversation with Krishna or something. And, then, and it just talks about the psychology of the war. 
um, another beautiful book and he, and he talks about how he breaks it down into the psychology aspect so what the war represents what Arjun represents as the, the sort of people like us the mortals that are kind of always fighting this battle always lost Krishna is the inner voice that's coming out and saying this is the right action you just need to silence the mind so then the inner voice comes out um, silence the mind in the sense that whatever noise that's going in the mind quieten it down not silence in the sense that I'm just going to stop thinking but quieten the, the voices and the noise that's going on and then allow the inner voice to come out and express itself and yeah it's just beautifully spoken about and and, and yeah I think that's the, the correct approach to tackling these issues which again ties in with the second part which is contentment you know one of the reasons why self-help never talks about contentment is because you can't sell contentment. How can you sell someone to not buy your book mm-hmm. or buy your course? No, no, it's fine. Like this book you bought, just be happy with that. You're happy with exactly where you are. You can't sell that because then automatically people think that when you're content in life, you're no longer striving. So this is this approach in the West that contentment means you're no longer striving in life. No, no, it's, it's actually the opposite. You are still striving, but you're striving for selfless purposes. So you're doing it to help other people out. And by helping other people out, that's the only form of joy that you will ever get in this life. You know, the other one is being desireless, which again ties in with this. By helping other people out and doing it purely for the action of serving other people, you create contentment and you create internal joy and happiness. Because it's not no longer all about I or me. It's about you and we and helping the greater good and helping other individuals out who are struggling with their situation so mm. I think that is the other point to add to this so I think there's a good example with that as well for the tricks we can do in our mind that will that we think that we're doing that you know if there's a fire mm. and somebody's in there burning you can go I'm going to be a hero I'm going to go in there and save that person mm. you've got no training or experience I'm going to go in and save that person or somebody could go and I'm, I'm going to try and help that person without the need of being a hero mm. you know it's like I want to say this I want to do that this person go oh, there's somebody in there you know it'll be like yes. there's a difference there isn't there with without wanting to be seen or achieving that thing or just doing doing the thing do that, the action, that's yeah. right to be done and the mind will like to trick us even on, on that spiritual path which is Alan Watts's talk so much more and I'm I'm more holy than this person I'm more spiritual or I'm calmer or I accept my issues better than you accept yours yeah. and <laughs> And on and on, and, and this is it. Uh, it's the comparison, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, where is it coming from and why are we comparing? Like, can we just do these things where it isn't coming from the chatter of the mind? Can we be naturally selfless? And I think this part of the path comes when you've done these cycles enough times mm. and you've seen it, oh, I'm just getting in another trap or I'm on that pendulum, then I'm on that, and then it's coming something else and it's disguised as something new, but it's still the same thing over again. And... And for me, when having that realization once it, you know, I just want to, there was a point at a peak where it's like, I just want a selfless life. Like, mm. don't want to be Craig anymore in the sense of I'm quite fulfilled. You know, I've got a, I don't really have the aspirations to be the world's greatest breathwork teacher, you know, or teach around the globe mm. or teach all of the UK. There's nothing, I just enjoy doing it. And I, I love it and I know it and I like to share it out and people have a great response to it and it helps them. I'll do that, mm. you know, um, as opposed to having, there's nothing wrong with the aspirations because these are desires at the end of the day, aren't they? You know, people can say often, oh, you've, you, you've not got enough aspirations. And it's something I've heard before, actually, is, you know, you, you could do more or you could speak to, to more people or use the online platforms in a different way. And it's like, but I'm not really that asked. Like, mm-hmm. and it comes in the guise, what I've experienced from other people is, yeah, but you can help more. 
you know, if you got online or you had these, you can help more. It's like, do I need to, you know? It's not a case because that's where I would go to burnout trying to be selfless more selfless trying to be selfless in the sense of right I've got to keep giving and this is where I hit burnout because it would be like or the unworthiness aspect comes in I'm not doing enough because oh yeah yeah I could be doing that and yeah maybe I should go and do other and give all these free sessions I'll do whatever and it's like there is that balance it's an oxymoron yeah. trying to be selfless is an oxymoron yeah it's because like- there's no self involved it's like you trying to meditate you cannot meditate yeah. the self has to be out of the way for meditation that's why we're letting go of thoughts and we're seeing them as long as the thoughts are there we're still Craig I'm still the character I'm still the name it's not it's not the stillness it's not the emptiness because the content is being filled the emptiness is being filled it's ourselves we're inherently empty it's just what we do with the mind and the things that we cling and we make them the obstacles when we just keep dissolving it and there is no self and it's such a uh, an enticing aspect to live that way but to get to that point it's being able to like have you fatigue the desires something we talk about personally a lot in our own conversations have our desires been fatigued have we finished with that element of life have we done this and have we finished drinking you know whatever it is and it's like well they don't appeal once you're fatigued enough or you've had a realisation about oh that doesn't actually benefit to my life and it's no longer oh I shouldn't do that and I don't want to do it it doesn't become that anymore does mm. it and that's where the difference is and when people have those ah I get it moments or uh, you said it before you know you was talking to a friend and you give them a bit of information and they were like oh uh, the doshas you were saying yes, and it blew yeah. your friend's yeah. minds like yeah. well there's different food types that actually affect your body that information then hitting and that person going <gasps> It's like, right, I'm onto something new here, which will take me down another path. Like there's something with those moments that, that lead us into something deeper. But it's being cautious that that feeling will drop anyway. And it's like, okay, is this really a part of your path now? Or was it another, ooh, that's exciting to add to my repertoire, but I'm not <laughs> going to do anything with it. Yeah. And that's where we come from, as I'm saying, with the reinstallment of my committing practices. You know, I was doing them for four years and they lost a bit of emotion at a time and I stopped um, but even when they weren't as, as sincere, they were still affected. I was still flapping my wings. And then when I sort of fell out of them and I just started to fall down and I would search for it in other ways, which would maybe get, pick me up and down. But it's like, I know the consistent benefit is there. And sometimes it's taking the self out of the way that it doesn't want to get out of bed mm. or it wants to try something new and find the new uh, psychedelic mushroom or the new form of breathing it's going to elevate me and give me a high or give me some knowledge that I can share out like that stuff's great when it's not for the self to do something with when it's in space and go okay that helps that helps what my overall goal is which is to remove aspects of self but still being able to play and have fun because you can do that even more when your limits of the ego and personality or of who you are is out the way Mm. yeah it's great so I want to touch on that point there so trying to that all comes about because you're externalizing everything. If you're requiring an external source to fuel this idea that you feel fulfilled or you feel selfless, then you hit a pitfall straight away. Because selfless service comes from the in, the internal, it comes from the act itself. And if we tie this in with the psychedelics, if you're always, let's say you were always using mushrooms or you're always smoking weed, then what you're going to do is to seek a, a high experience, you're going to use something a little deeper some something a lot stronger and and that ends up just causing you more grief than anything else because you're again 
going back into that trap. And it's very interesting to kind of self-reflect on this idea that am I going back into that trap again, regardless of what I'm doing? Am I going back into that trap when I'm giving selflessly? Is it actual or selfless intention? Or is it there's a self a small amount of gratification? And obviously for a Western audience, um, some people might ask like, what's the issue you taking a bit of gratification away from that? You know, there's no problem with that. There isn't, but when if you're looking for a path which is based on pure selflessness and, and doing things purely for the act of doing things, then you know straight away that deep down inside it becomes more of a it doesn't become a massive burden but it grows into a burden it can easily manifest itself into something greater if you don't address it straight away so this is why it was the analogy that we mentioned in our last podcast like if you have meditation and you use meditation to clear the noise from your head you also need to plant things in its place you can't just leave the the garden bed clear with just soil because weeds will start growing out again and again like we said about this thing those tiny little things that are triggered uh, that are questioning whether you're doing it selflessly or not you know you might just think oh, i'll just leave it here and there why not just take a bit of gratification but then eventually that could grow into a larger weed so it's trimming it and then growing more things on top of it um, that are positive for you so growing positive plants instead of having the weeds grow so yeah it's the the act of selfless service and the act of contentment i think they work hand in hand if you are quite content then you are more prone to give selflessly. So how do you think you approach contentment and how do you think you give that to more of a Western audience? How do you teach it? How do you even preach it? Can you? Like, can you? I mean, and this is a, it's a really great conversation that me and Reese were having as well about helping people. And you, you ultimately can't help people. You know, you can have these levels of insight and your example of speaking about the doshas to somebody before, like you could say there's help there that that's twigged in that mm. person. And it's made somebody go, ah, oh, that's worth looking at. So I would say that that's help. Wherever, what they then do with that, it's out of your hands because that person could then be in this loop like I've been before and I'm sure you've been before. We mm. go things over and over again. Uh, how many people come and you, you know, they come to say breathwork class and they're really down and they're really sad and they needed that blowout of breathwork and like, oh, wow, I feel great again. Great. So you've been essentially helped or you've helped yourself by going to that thing. What do you then do with your life in, in that part? Like, do you then continue to help yourself or do you let that those things build back up, do nothing and then have another session in a month, two months time to have a clear out and do it again and again and again, you know, with the the massive upsurgence of, of depression or mental health issues. Some people say it's chemistry based, some people say it's life based and narrative based or because of their experience. I think we have to look at what are we doing with our life to what seeds are we planting on a regular basis like what is it that we're what feeling are we picking up what are we building and do we just go to these fixes when we've hit a certain point feel good and then allow ourselves to sink back down when do we flap the wings again you know because i think that's something that we're taught to live by well we've got entertainment all the time and mm. i know if i just get through work today and i'll have that glass of wine and i'll watch that tv show and then I'll have another crappy day tomorrow, but I'll do those things on over again. And it's like, it's a feasible option if somebody wants it and you can coast that way forever. But that life that's within you can do so much more. We have to be willing to do it ourselves. Like, you know, that retreat away, having good conversations with yourself or, you know, the week with, with Reese, it was like, I needed it like mm. for where I was, you know, we do all have the ability inside, but I needed to be with somebody or out in that space to go, 
come on, what am I doing with myself? Like, I've put myself here. However my narrative and my thoughts are, my energy is, I've allowed it in one way or the other, either through um, ignorance or through conscious choice, like whatever it is. Um, you know, we go into new experience and it's not being harsh towards myself in those frames, like with Corona going on or with navigating how we live in this new lifestyle and whatnot. Yeah, think we're going to drop plates, you know, we are, yeah. we're going to trip up. That's the point of life. Um, I think we talk about that Eastern Western, the, the swimming example we were saying with each other earlier is like, you have to get in it and figure out how to do it. As long as you've got a lifeline, somebody can go, oh, this person's drowning in the pool, I'll help you. Right, get back in, try again. They're swimming, okay, keep going, oh, right, I'll help you out again. And you learn through it because it's not going to be perfect and smooth. It's having the highs and the lows, but knowing what are you doing for yourself? Mm. You know, where is it that you're coming from? Where is our, our disgruntles with life? Where is the problems in our head coming from? Is it just because we're looking at the right, are we always looking at the floor rather than looking at the stars? Like even there, the two options. Mm. And I think there's a massive cut away from the lifestyle that we have. We, we've created a trap in the society in how we live in the, the infrastructure of the city. And you know, when you go out and you get to nature and you do look at the stars and you're just like, you can't help but think, what is going on with life how much more is out there that we know nothing about and coming back to those conclusions that we draw this is how life is and this is how I am and this is my personality it's like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be and that's I think the the very refreshing and lovely part of working towards selflessness and catching myself when the ego or the mind's running and go it's not helping me and my overall goal what does the practices, my meditation, my breathing, mm. and allowing yourself to trip up and fall within it, but ultimately knowing that's the direction I'm heading in. So I'm just gonna apply things that go that way. Mm. Um, and through that, you need strength. You need to be able to say yes to certain things, and you need to be able to say no to certain things, you know, and everything in between. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's moving towards it in a way that works for us. And when we're getting multiple streams of stimulus from other people or from the information or videos or teachers it's just a mess it just yeah. becomes an absolute tangle I think it also comes back to uh, expectations so you your expectations as a person that's in the hole and the, the expectations set by the person that's trying to pull you out of the hole now if the person is trying to pull you out of the hole and thinking I'm doing it out of a very selfless reason and I just want to help this person out again you have to ask the question is it out of selfless intention are you pulling it out because you want this person to pull out and you want to get some sort of gratification that you've managed to help this person out and even if it isn't to that extreme maybe it's just very subtle that I just want to help this person out because I don't want him or her to suffer again does that person want to come out you ever watch the movie um, Never Ending Story oh I loved it man so do you remember the moment where the horse hey. Artrex <laughs> nice. you know, yeah. the book. Yeah. yeah so Craig's definitely a fan <laughs> um, so the moment where Artrex the horse is is in that plunge in, in that, swamp, that's quick yeah. swamp, that swamp that's uh, full of mud and he's just sinking that's the analogy of depression mm. the fact that even though Atreus pulling him he's not willing to get out and I know it traumatised a lot of kids it traumatised me as a kid God, man, um, man. that wolf that, that, that wolf was scary but that scene where the horse is just getting pulled deeper yeah, into yeah. the mud now that is a, a symbology of depression it's the fact that some people will purge themselves deeper into depression because of the feeling of how it feels to be in depression and almost it causes more of a, a hindrance for the person trying to pull it out if the person doesn't want to be pulled out if the person wants to be stuck in that rut just wants people to feel sorry for that 
that individual, then it can be a very negative downward spiral. And Artrex in that situation just didn't want to come out of the, the mud. You know, he wasn't doing anything to help yeah, himself out. He wasn't even moving. He's just like, yeah, just being a horse. Yeah. And he's like sinking. And and Atreus was trying to convince Atreus, him, look, yeah, you don't have to do this. Crying and really trying to get the pull on the head. And that is the, again, it's a very difficult situation to be in when it's a person that's a loved one that's suffering this. It's, it, you want to pull the individual out, but if the individual doesn't want to come out, you can't do anything about it. And it's your ability or your sort of courage to, to let go of that attachment and say, you know what, if the person doesn't want to come out, I can't do anything about it. Mm. I literally can't do anything about it. Until the person has got the, the actual desire or the instinct inside of them or the spark inside of them to get themselves out of that situation, nothing you'll do will help them out. So like we mentioned before the podcast, the, the analogy of instead of, let's say if you're wanting to learn to climb or wanting to learn to swim, sometimes the best thing you can do, and I know it's quite cliche to say this, but hear us out when we're saying this, but the best thing you can do is throw yourself into the deep end straight away. You know, and obviously have someone around that knows what they're doing so they can observe you and make sure that you are safe, but throw yourself in the deep end, then ask the questions. Mm. Don't ask the questions first because when you go in there with the intention of asking questions first, you're gonna have a million and one questions. You're gonna have an unlimited amount of questions to ask. How do I do this? How do I tread water? What happens if I can't tread water? How do I learn to hold my breath? What happens if I sink straight away? What happens if I do this? There's too many questions that you can't answer in one go. But if you throw yourself in the deep end, then you decide what happens straight after, then you've streamlined those questions. You've got more specific questions like, okay, I've done treading the water in a certain way and I'm not getting anything out of it. What's a more efficient way of treading water? Uh, treading water? So now you've got the experience, a bit of, of the experience or the glimpse of how it should feel like or what it can feel like. So you have something to refer to as an experience as opposed to going in there with a blank analogy. You know, and I think a lot of us today are stuck in the mentality of reading about something like reviews. We've mentioned this preview uh, previously in the podcast where you would read a preview, uh, I keep saying preview, review on the internet like IMDb before you go and watch the movie. Before you've even thought about creating your own ideas about the movie once you've watched it, you've read a review. So you've gone in there with an intention or an outlook of what the movie is going to be about. So if it's a bad movie and someone's rated it good, you're going to go in there with that intention of that, you know, this movie is going to be good. And then again, it comes back to the expectation of, God, that reviewer said this movie is supposed to, go, supposed to be good, but it was terrible. And in vice versa as well. So it's going in there without any idea or any intention or expectation. And then having the questions after. Because most times, like my friend Darshan was explaining last night, he's a psychologist who's gone into both East and Western approaches. He said that his when he had questions and when, when he had sort of these sort of deep quarreling questions that he wanted answering, his teacher, when he went to the East, told him that before you even ask me the questions, I want you to follow this basic structure for six weeks. Do this and then come back to me and then I'll answer your questions. By going through this process, he realized that all the questions he had were, were already answered by the time he got to the teacher in that six week period. So when he came out of it and when he met the teacher, he had more deeper questions to ask. So not about the surface layer or not even the, the basic questions he was asking. He was asking questions that are far off from the main questions that he had. So yeah, sometimes you find your own answers. Some people find their own, well, I would say most people find their own way out of depression, anxiety, mental health through their own accord, so long as they're willing and they want to get out of it. If they don't want to get out of it, you can't do anything about it. So yeah, that's my two cents in the whole situation. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, it's seeing these things for for what they are. Like, there's nothing wrong with being in the in any state from depression to on top of the world. It's just how do you want your life to be lived, and what what are you offering from life from where you are? You don't even have to be offering something because you you're doing something anyway. You know, um, I think it's in breath in breath book. Uh, James Nestor is talking about how the cycle of evolution was occurring, and um, when you're breathing in oxygen from the trees and you're breathing out carbon dioxide like you're already giving something to life mm. you're helping the trees your trees are helping it you're in a, a symbiotic relationship with everything so just by being alive you're doing something great <laughs> you know you're alive because you've been created and you're here mm. I think the worst case is we, we just observe and we look around and you know try and just enjoy to be alive without doing anything at times you know feeling really down and for me being stuck in the position where I was in just feeling like stagnant and stale and pretty shit about myself and I was like why am I here why am mm. I feeling like this knowing it's not the world's fault for the reason that I feel like this there might be experiences you know you might have deaths you might have breakups you might have pandemics but what are you doing with the energy inside and what is the viewpoint allowed and this is when we can clear our views from all the noise of the reviews of the news of told to feel like this of this person saying that and Instagram saying everything should be this way and we never get in the full picture because that's not what wants to be said by that oh it might be it might be the right thing what mm. somebody's saying but that's not your world it's not reflective of where you are you are as Krishnamurti says the whole of humanity is within you mm. you're the history of life and it's right with the brains that we've got it's everybody's brain you know might be a few differences here and there or ailments or what have you but it's the brain that everybody's got we're just functioning different because of their personality or conditioning so wherever we're at what do you want for it like Mm. how can you feel and see in a way that you go that's all right I'll I'll take that and Again, nothing's ever right or wrong. It's just, just what do you want and how do you how do you find your way if it's in a depressive state or a down state? How do we find our way out of it? And for me, where I was, it was like, I need to clear my fucking head, man. I need mm. to get out of the city. You know, I've tried the social media thing and it was getting me somewhere. I've seen something in it that I was being pulled around by others' thoughts and opinions. And again, I thought myself too highly of myself that those things wouldn't affect me, but they were, mm. you know? And even when I deleted the app for that month and finding my thumb, just trying to press the button, didn't want it to do that subconsciously embedded sit down in the chair in this spot with my tea my thumb's going for it wasn't a conscious choice <laughs> so these things are embedded subconsciously and the information that we're taking in it's happening man uh, I've not seen this documentary yet this Netflix one that people are talking about the social social oh moment. social dilemma is right. that what it is I think it's called right. you know, I've not seen it yet but from what I'm told it's, it's along those lines is these things are caused to hook us in but let alone for that do we want to be hooked in mm. do we still want to be feeling down do we still want to be feeling better than others whatever it is what is the life that you want do you want those thoughts and feelings mm. and if they are there and we're trying to like for me for the letting go process of where I was at was like it's all right to feel like that. Don't beat myself up for having these these thoughts or these feelings. Like, see them, let them go and realize that is a part of life. Like, you can't not have it. It's been created from the creator, from life, from the universe. It is there for a reason. It's just seeing, right, I'm, I'm done with this now. I'm sick of feeling this way for like three, four, five weeks. Let's go sort it out. And yeah. choosing to do that, which was for me, headspace, good conversation, practices clearing clearing cleanse 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 clean food meditation breath work walks ah, mm. there's space again yeah definitely empty there are i think there's four ways of learning from 
a situation or realizing whether you should do it or not. So the first way is listening. So listening to other people talk about it, listening or reading about it and understanding that, okay, for example, let's use the analogy of alcohol. Alcohol is not good for me. So I listen to other people and they say, this is what they're, you know, this is what they're saying about the experience. So let's not drink it. That's number one. If that doesn't work, number two, observation. Watch it for yourself. Yeah, see what the outcome is of drinking too much and see how people feel, see it all happening. You know, my friend who's a doctor will tell you that the amount of patients he gets who are alcoholics, he sees it all, you know. And and finally, number three, the fourth one is more of a sort of letting go, but number three is doing it yourself. So if you haven't gone through listening to people and it didn't work for you, you haven't, you haven't learned it through um, observing people, now you have to experience it. Yeah, so you experience it yourself and then you realize that, is it serving me? If you are conscious enough, if, even if you try bringing some sense of consciousness towards your actions or whatever you're doing when you're drinking, or you will realize that, does it is it serving me? Um, am I feeling good about it or am I feeling shit? If you're having more periods of, uh, more days or periods of, of, of time that you are feeling shit, then maybe you need to reconsider what you're doing. And it's like what we said previously, you will end up just sometimes even burning out from it. You'll get sick of it so much that you're exhausted. It's like the sponge. As soon as you, as soon as you drain out the water from the sponge, it's completely dry. You know, it's whether you decide to dip it underneath the tap again mm. that it absorbs and it starts. The whole process starts again. So just being a bit more conscious and, and mindful about that. And the final one, which is the fourth one, if those three things don't work and you're still addicted to it. Good on you. You know what I mean? Like if you're someone who smokes 65 cigarettes a day and you know by listening to people it wasn't working, by observing people it wasn't working, by going through it and going through all the health problems it wasn't working and you're completely fine with that, you know, all credits to you. That's your life you, you, then, man. You do you. you know, And that's completely fine. I'm not saying get out of any pessimistic outcome, but again, it goes back to our depression thing. If a person doesn't want to get out of it, doesn't want to listen to people, doesn't observe other people that are in that situation and then has gone through their experience and doesn't realize that this experience is not good for me, there's nothing you can do. As a family member, as a friend, there's nothing you can do. And I think it's just supporting the person as much as possible, mm. you know, and that's pretty much it. And I think through that process, you, I think you develop contentment in life because then you're not no longer attached to how other people are also suffering. Because that's the other thing with the careers that we're in. We have to help individuals out, especially you with your breath work. You have to help people out that are going through these little traumas or ordeals. And sometimes it might affect you negatively because of how they're experiencing their situation. But I think you have to kind of transcend that and elevate yourself to a point where you, you accept those four outcomes. You realize that the person, you know, through listening about breath work, through observing people doing breath work, or through experiencing breath work, that this process is going to eventually help them to cleanse those issues that they have if that doesn't work then you can't do anything about it and you have to and I think a doctor has to do that when they realise that someone's going to die they have to realise they have to accept I've done everything possible mm. to save this person's life I can't do any more mm. so yeah yeah that, I mean that's the approach isn't it it's like I'm, I'm fortunate with the breath work and meditation and I love these tools because I love what they did for me they mm. helped it those tools helped me you know and the people who, who's taught me them along the way they weren't necessarily trying to help me. They love those things as well. Mm. And I think yeah. I, I do like that approach. And 
you know, how do, how do we feel about saying it? We're not doing these things to help people. We're doing them because we love the things. It just so happens that those things that we love to do are of benefit, benefit to everyone. Because then again, we're, we're removing the ego or, or for me, it was that massive aspect that goes, I need to save the world. Mm. I need to help everyone as much as I can. And is that a story? You know, is that just another narrative that's coming from how I was brought up and raised and thought I didn't get help and I don't want people to go through that? And, mm. you know, there is there is something lovely and, and, and nice about that. But again, that can, it, yeah, you know, the, the road to hell, paved with good intentions. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, it's like, that could, that could cause a lot of misery. It's like, you know, I remember in the Heroes. Did you ever watch Heroes? Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Yeah. Peter wants to tell you. Love that stuff. Got everything on You get everything based on the movies and, and the culture that you've been exposed to. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Peter Petrelli was in the second series when he'd, he'd lost his powers. Yeah. But he was, he'd just become, uh, he was in the ambulance service and he was just doing as much as he can, mm. but working to the bone to the point where he was like knackered and he needed to sleep to the point where you might be doing more damage. Like, you can't help people, but you're still like trying to do whatever you're supposed to do, but you're in a bad state, mm. you know? And it's like, that's where you can't help the world or you, you're not even helping yourself running away from something or trying to fill a gap because I've got to go and save and do this. And it's like, it's, I think it takes a lot of, uh, for me it did actually, it's like, look at that. Are you trying to help because there's something a lack in yourself? Mm. Like, or do you actually want to help? And I do want to help because it feels good to help other people. They win and you win, Every, everything benefits. But I don't think that that can be like that. I've got to save, I've got to help because it just becomes detrimental mm. to thinking, why can't I help this person? Mm. And I've done that with clients before. It's like, why is this, what am I, why am I at fault for not getting this person through? And there's always self-responsibility, but again, every human is their own world. So when you know what's worked with you, you deliver your message and try and make it as broad as you can. But maybe even in broadening, you're watering down that specific path that you run that somebody who can go that path will then get easier um, unfortunately breath work and meditation we've all got these faculties it's just nurturing them so all I'm delivering the techniques mm. you know all I'm delivering is the experience I've had or heard from others but that's it what the experience does to you is your experience and it's um, yeah it's more of an eased approach to doing what it is that we do with our lives and the reasons why like an artist mm. make a beautiful song were they making that song to help you or to make you feel good or were they making a song because they had creativity and they wanted to make a badass song you know what where's it coming from mm. and which of those elements are we willing to say that was for ego and I want to do this to make people feel a certain way like why why do you want people to feel a certain way you know can if you just created for the sake of creating you might do the same thing anyway, but it might be more beneficial mm -hmm. to yourself and to others because there's nothing in there that's going, I'm going to pull out a hand. And this is not to get confused with, I'm not saying don't help people, because yes, help people, definitely help people because there's always the right ways. But it's again, is it the ego or is it the self? Mm -hmm. Where is it coming from? Yeah. So yeah, tying in with what, what you just said there, sometimes people will help other people because they don't want to lose. You know, they don't want to, always be that person that ends up just losing their battle. So they feel as though they need to, for example, let's go back to the surgeon example. Um, and it's great, like, again, we're not taking anything away from surgeons. They would do wonderful things. I've got good, I've got good friends who are surgeons and it's something that we've had, I've discussed with a few of them, which is this idea, and they've told me like, you know, the first person they end up losing, like in terms of they, it costs them the life or whatever happens, 
it takes a toll on the person. Mm. It takes a toll on the surgeon. It takes a toll on the medical staff that are involved. Um, and then once you get past that, uh, and it, it must be a very difficult battle to get past that, then they start to have this sense of acceptance. And um, yeah, then, then things become a bit more easier. And funny enough, when things start to become easier, uh, then they have that confidence to know that, okay, I've done everything possible for this person. If beyond that the person dies, I've all I've done everything, you know. So there's a sense of acceptance. Uh, there's a sense of contentment in that situation. They realise mm. that I've done everything possible. So yeah, it's a very interesting scenario to get into, and some people will go in there with the intention that I need to save this person mm. regardless. You know, I have to save them for my. It ends up being for your own reason, for your own sort of well-being, your own mental well-being, knowing that I'm not going to fail at this. And through that process, it becomes a very difficult downward spiral because eventually, if it comes out to a situation where, you know, God forbid that happens, but you um, cut a nerve by accident and you end up, you know, killing the person through by doing that, um, then it becomes a harder burden to take on to know that, you know, you did everything possible and because of your own complacency, you ended up causing a bigger issue, you end up killing the person. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, difficult life, but you have to draw your own line in the situation. Mm. You know, you can't expect the people to say, I'm going to draw the line for you. And sometimes sometimes people need to set those boundaries for you, actually. Some people need to step in there and say, I'm going to set a boundary for you so you don't cross that boundary. But then at the end of the day, it's down to you as an individual to say, am I going to cross that boundary? And like we said, in an extreme situation where you're a surgeon, sometimes you might end up forcing yourself to cross that boundary just so you can save this one person's life and uh, yeah it's a very good sort of metaphor for how life works when you're looking at it from the lens of a surgeon I think it's it's so maybe more of the like uh, what's the word it's like zoomed in on a microscope mm. to get to this point of that thinking like actually let's talk yeah. about help yeah. you know how good is the help that we're doing or why we think that we should help or we must help because it's one of those things like you know with the new age everything was light and love in the spirituality sense everything's light and love and it's all well you know that's a nice method to get through things but it doesn't really help you when you're in the shit and you're mm. depressed and you're finding things hard light and love doesn't doesn't help you in that sense um so to, to look at the aspect of let's see what we're saying about help and knowing, you know, where is it that we're, where, where is the ultimate goal that we're going to get to from it? If it's coming from you doing a thing that you do because you know it so well, you'll be able to, to help a certain amount of people. I mean, imagine that surgeon, nobody needs surgery. Mm. That the person who's on that, um, that path of life of them might need to help in another way. It's like, right, you know, and it's, what was that? Nightcrawlers, the movie I think was Jason, not Jason, Thingy Gillen, Jake Gyllenhaal. I've not actually seen the film, but I remember it was about he was. They were looking for uh, disasters to to film, like a news reporter, right? And I think in it, he starts to cause disasters, disasters. Else to film it, and it's like we can have that element in us, not in the sense that we we're actually creating them, but we could look for things in other people. Maybe go, you know, like a, a good example, I suppose, is people go for plastic surgery mm. and they go, oh, you know, I just wanted to go and I've got a broken nose. I just wanted to get my nose fixed. And then they go, okay, we'll fix that nose, but hmm, your eyes could do with a bit of a lift in your jaw. And then they're like, does it? Shit. You know, they didn't know anything about that, but that person, you know, again, it's the bit of a negative reason why they'll be doing that for money values, but that's how they see things. They go, right, well, but that person didn't need that. Or, um, 
bodybuilding for an example is you get to a certain state of fitness and you look good and you're strong and then ah you know I'm gonna get bigger I'm gonna get stronger and then I'm gonna go on stage and it's like taking that same attitude into help you know looking at that what are we doing with help are we Mm. trying to fly too high to the sun or does that help come naturally or with the right level of effort to what we can send it out there without our necessity to do it you know to do it because it's dare I say the right thing to do because life thrives within it and you know we we, I mean why do we do these podcasts Mm. we love to talk we love to the the ideas that we talk about if somebody gets help from it great great great. but would it be right for us to say we're doing this to help people you know how do we how do we weigh these things out and it's uh, I I, I feel that you, you have to have to use your word before a level of maturity to look at these topics because mm. we all want it to be we're all good people and everything we do is about help if that's the case I mean you start with yourself are you eating good food are you sleeping well do you take care of your body how much are you helping yourself because when you're doing that I think it naturally imbues around the world around you and that the need to help doesn't it's not coming from a drive which I've had before you know that unworthiness and, and feeling I need to help everybody because there was a hole within me but when you start taking care of yourself and you, you're you know in a more relaxed state you help just by being around people in the sense mm. you know of your energy or the line of conversation you have and we're all doing this we're all doing this in one way or the other with everybody it's a constant interaction and it's a beautiful amazing thing and such a great dance of life and Maybe we don't need the mind in it <laughs> at all um, or the drive to make that massive difference. It can come naturally when we're in a healthy state. Mm, that's a really good point that you just said there. So we're basically helping everyone around us. So just by don't know, uh, giving directions to someone, you're helping someone. So when we, say, we talk about helping people, we always try and be quite grandiose about it I've got to do something big like the hero's journey I've got to help that person in the burning building and, and I think that stems from having a culture that worships people like superheroes and athletes you know and people like that and this this is why we're in the situation we're, we're in right now with the world and mental health is because first of all young men are looking for that sort of guidance where they become heroes and girls are looking for sort of the guidance of I don't know, to, to almost aspire to be men in the same way or the other path which is to create a family and stuff which is looked down on. So we're always looking for role models to aspire to be like, but then our sort of aspirations for the role, role models that we select are super high. I want to be like Albert Einstein. I want to be like Michael Jordan. I want to be like all these sort of amazing individuals, very small individuals that did massive things. And, and it's a level that you don't really need to try and strive for and again I'm not saying you shouldn't strive to that level but be content on I just want to be a good person or I want to be a good doctor or I want to be a good lawyer an honest lawyer or something like that which is not so big in terms of the scale that you are helping people out you are helping individuals out every single day Mm. it's just whether you're aware of doing that or whether you are thinking that's just not really helping anyone I need to do something on a grander scale and this is where I guess it comes into the sort of pitfall of needing recognition for the help you're giving people. Philanthropy, you know, do you donate because you are wanting to help individuals out, these people, these charities out, or are you donating because then people can see what the numbers are on the check that you've given? So so questions like these, we should be asking ourselves every day. Is my intention pure? It's like John Peterson's clean up your own room. 
every single day you have to clean up your room. We know that our rooms become messy every single day. So you always have to go back and maintain that. And again, it goes back to everything we said previously about clearing your mind for meditation and then growing seeds, but then also realizing that are those flowers now becoming the weeds that originally, you know, you've already pulled out the things that you thought were weeds, but are those flowers now becoming the weeds? Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting debate or, or sort of battle to have. And, and the Bhagavad Gita, the psychology aspect of the Bhagavad Gita is this conversation, this discussion amongst yourself um, or in your mind that you have to, this battle that you have to face. Am I becoming my own worst enemy? The Dark Knight quote, you know, what was it right at the end? Uh, you either die as a hero or you live long enough to see yourself becoming a villain. Mm. And uh, yeah, and this is what is culminated to, you know, all our intentions, they end up starting off being pure, but then the way we've taken this path, the way we're presenting ourselves to the world, it becomes distorted. And now we have to live up to that expectation of what people want us to, how they see us. Mm. And that causes the, the issues that you've just gone through recently. That causes the issues that I've gone through in terms of the meditation process. I need to get to this stage now because I'm on this path. I've sacrificed this much for where I am. I have to stay on it. So again, having these sort of internal discussions, having these discussions with other people that are on similar paths, you know, it always helps, right? Because I always look at you and I think, damn, like how can this guy be so grounded? You know, and then <laughs> and then you obviously, obviously you're going through your little thing. And I always look at it and think, you know, if you're going through that, then I'm okay where I am. You know, I don't need to be like comparing again and thinking, Craig's got his shit together. I need to make sure I've got my shit together. You know, man, it's such a good point. I was talking to a mate yesterday. Yeah, we had that meditation class that we go to. And he was saying like, I'm having a lot of tension in my, my solar plexus and my heart at the minute and uh, around his heart to his center of his chest. And he's like, and I don't know where it's coming from. Like, you know, I'm doing my meditation and practicing. And I was like, man, you know, we've been meditating together for like six years, uh, almost weekly. And he was like, man, you know, I'm glad you said that. Mm. And I'm sorry that you're feeling that shit, but it's made me relieved because I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and stress. And it's not something, you know, it's something that like, there'll be a point in my life where I'd be like, I would not accept that. I'd be like, no, I do not have stress. I'm positive mm. and I'm uplifting and I've, you know, I want to be inspiring. So, you know, and, and deny it to the sense. And he told me that and I was like, it, it put me at ease. I felt something drop mm. because that what you just said then, you know, the, the comparisons we have to other people. Um, even remember, the positive comparisons. Yeah, yeah, even the positive comparisons. Like again, it, it's it's always from the, ourselves and thinking, well, that person's like that. And I like get inspiration and understand and have the conversation. There's another mate who said, so I, I, would, I would sit in a meditation posture and it'd be like an hour or so and I wouldn't move. To the point where I know in my head, that hurts, but I'm going to fucking have this and I will not move. And I would do it so often because that was that <laughs> stiffness in myself. Um, again, that, that desire to be a certain way and also to show a certain image. And one of the lads said to me once, he's like, you know, I always, I always found you really, um, really inspiring. I wanted to be like you in that meditation I've, and I would feel bad that I'm, I can't do it like you do. Like how disciplined you are. And I was like, mate, it's not fun. Like I'm doing it. <laughs> for an image and yeah. to try and overcome something it's a battle mm. and it was that maybe you know 
one to be honest about that was such a relieving thing that ah oh, somebody else has seen what I'm struggling with and thinking it's a good thing that they want I'm like no and it made me realize you know just be more open about things and when I need to move move mm. you know it's like I mean even that there are ways that yes your body can be a bit of a, a rascal and you need to get it in position and work for it but there's a certain time for that isn't it it's like don't do it every single time and you know for, for hearing you say that and a mate I caught up with a, a good friend of mine Owen um, today we were having a chat and he was telling me like some heavy he's been through recently. I was just ex- sharing my experience. Like, man, I've been pretty down the last mm. few weeks. And he was like, and he said the same thing I said to my <laughs> mate yesterday. He's like, you know what, Craig? It's really, I'm sorry for what you've been, but it's really good that you've said that. And, and the same, like, I think because we, we, we detach more from the materialistic way of living and enter more of the spiritual light, uh, the spiritual side of living and want, want to be that. Mm. But it, it doesn't, you know, we still have all these issues and maybe more so, you know, when mm. we were out at the farm and the people around the country grounded, man. Didn't see, they just say like, they'll stop, they'll talk to you and they get about the day. They're not mm. hiding, they're not covering. They just say how things are in such a matter of fact way. They're not tangled up in the shit that we're tangled up in. And I think that's the thing with spirituality as well is you can just get into a wide mess and, oh, I've got to be like that. Or the meditation thing, which I've definitely done. I will sit there and I'll meditate for however long, even when I'm not meditating. Mm. What's the point? Other than to say I've done it or I can persevere. And it's like, yeah, we've all got our stuff going on. It's just when we can be honest about it and let it go, like just that sense of ease, it comes from it. And maybe that's what we needed. Just that, ah, oh yeah, I'm human. Mm. I'm human and we're not the Buddha you know we're not there yet, we're not, there yet. We've not we've not let go of enough because you know I do believe that that enlightenment state the void the emptiness is there it's just we've crowded it with thing upon thing Alan Watts we've put all the props on the stage forgetting that the stage is mm. where the show happens we need to take the props off and we're only getting there through honesty and through explaining and sharing because you know could easily have not discussed anything about what I'm in. Yes, I did my retreat and mm. it was perfectly zen and I'm back uplifting. It's like, no oh man, I was dealing with some heavy shit because I'd fucked my own mind up through how I was living, you know, and, <laughs> and being stuck with the times. And it's yeah. like, ah, the honesty and the openness and going into it is what untangles it. We let go of the tension of having to be a certain way or having to achieve a certain amount, gives the freedom to breathe again. And then off you go. Yeah. We start flapping the wings again and we go until the next time because it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. But yeah. less, less frequently and for a shorter period of time. So that's why we welcome the failures and the falls and owning up to our shit and our mistakes because that's where the growth really happens and the realizations really occur. Mm, yeah. So I want to tie that in with a, a good example. Um, I was reading about Gandhi and I was saying it to one of my friends about the, the Gandhi died as a failure. He felt himself he was a failure. So he was on the path of brahmacharya um, and he was addicted to obviously the company of women at a certain period of time. And and he felt like in order to serve the country, he needed to obviously get rid of certain bad habits. And he was so rigid with it at the start that he started, um, you know, there's books about, if you listen, if you read his autobiography and stuff, he talks about how he started um, sleeping next to naked people students of his um, because he wanted to really drive it out like he wanted to drive the desire so out was this in his sorry to cut you off in his autobiography because I remember reading different things about this whether he was generating like the, the energy mm. with these uh, virgins or the naked girls who were sleeping with you to take that energy on or was it so from what I was reading is, is something that you know 
I guess if someone's on this path has to go through I I read that he was doing it out of uh, maybe it's two sides of the same coin he was doing it because he wanted to discipline himself like really discipline himself and obviously he's read about Brahmacharya he never started off as a religious man or a spiritual Mm -hmm. man he went through this process when he started to realize that actually I want to serve my country in the most peaceful way so during this time he was reading the Bhagavad Gita and he does quote it a few times and he says that in times when I'm struggling with certain things in my life I turn to a chapter of the Gita and it gives me immediate sort of relief or answer so he starts to see exactly what we've just discussed about unloading it on a friend and the friend goes oh I'm so glad you've just said that because Mm -hmm. I'm going through the same thing so he saw that in Arjun Arjun's struggle as a warrior when he's unloading on Krishna and saying look mate I'm, I'm going I'm struggling with this so he said his path to Brahmacharya meant that he he went down the path of like forcing himself to, he started cutting things out of his life so he started stopped having sex with his wife um, and he started he started um, he had permission from his wife to do this and he also had permission from the students to do this as well he slept next to naked women um and again, look, this is what I've read. I don't know if there's people that are quite anal about certain uh, descriptions or details, but he said he slept next to naked women uh, just to destroy the temptation. Mm. And he said that was an ongoing battle all the way to the day that he died. It was a very difficult struggle to have. And so he felt like he didn't fully serve his country because he had these desires still. And I was like, wow, like that's, that's a burden. That's a real harsh burden to, mm. to die with, to know that, you died as a failure and and I guess it's a sense of humility as well to know that you died as a failure you know like people say to me like you know you've got to this stage of life and you're doing this and you know you you don't drink alcohol you don't eat meat you don't eat fish you don't eat out much you know you're very restricted about the the food you're, you're taking in so you know you're living you're a good aspiration to achieve and, and we admire you but I'm like I never feel like that I never ever feel like that I don't feel like me not drinking alcohol is is such a great achievement or me not eating out is a great achievement it's just the way i am like they said about the the hair thing i can't really control the the way my hair looks and it's just the way it is so there is no sort of credibility like internal self-satisfaction or credibility to that it's just like it is the way you are and you're always striving for humility and that's one thing you should strive in life and this is what i read gandhi was doing and i was like wow like if he died as a failure even Krishna to a certain degree, someone who's the incarnation of God, Ram died as a as a person that just literally went through suffering after suffering, but managed to smile all the way through that and not let anything, um, don't didn't take anything personally or say anything bad to anyone out of impulse. And Krishna was died as a failure because he wanted to marry the spiritual process with the with the political process at the time, and he did it to a certain degree. But when he passed and died, then it just went all to hell. So he died as a failure. So it just makes me think that even though we're doing this journey, the whole purpose of this journey is the strive itself. Like we will get to where we want to get to eventually, but it's the strive itself that is the journey. You know, it's not it's not even the journey itself. It's the actual striving of the journey. Journey always wanting to be, you know, trying to purify yourself, always self-reflecting, trying to purify yourself again and going through the struggle. And I was just thinking, if a guy like Gandhi was struggling with the Brahmacharya path, like how am I going to go through this? And and I'm lucky that I don't have certain sort of pitfalls that he was going through, but I have my own pitfalls. So yeah, it's 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 very interesting, and it's nice to kind of talk about this with someone else who's going through his own pitfalls. And 
I know it, it, it sounds probably weird to our viewers to be to be able to walk away or just say to the person and say I'm actually glad you're going through this it sounds insane like why would you say that to someone but if you look at it with what we're doing we're self-reflecting all the time it's nice that you're not alone on this path that mm. you know other people are human as well so you're not feeling bad about being human so yeah well this is the full circle of the dismantling of social media is this yes is yeah. saying yeah those, those nice but that's just the good bits and one how many of those good bits are actually real and authentic anyway and maybe they are like we, we want to show that and I don't think that's a bad thing we want to see how nice the world is and how nice my life is and that's fine if we were wise enough to know that there's the other side of the mm. coin like Alan Watts has these uh, a good good talk on like you've got a tapestry and it's got a really lovely design on the front but on the other side it's a tangled mess <laughs> yeah. it's freaking yeah. you know string and cotton everywhere yeah. that's what's going on and all we need to do is 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 accept that and I mean if Instagram or Facebook social media wasn't as relevant as it was would it be as tough as it is do mm. we think that oh I am a mess or I have this no like it might be exaggerated because of that but we've we've all got these things going on and like that Gandhi you know it's still struggling, yeah. yeah he's struggling with lust which is one of the hardest things definitely that I've had to struggle with and do struggle with at times it's like you know these greats they're on this path and they still have these issues so maybe it's not so much about getting rid of them it's what are your choices mm -hmm. every day like how are you defining yourself and I know that with my own addictions it's like if I've succumbed to lust or drugs or it's like because they were my main ones addictions sexual addictions and drugs mm -hmm. and it's like stuck in them I think god damn it you know I've done it again or you fell through and then you spring back up the foot comes off the bell and it happens it's like ah just a base level not rejecting them not mm. denying that they exist within yes. you These not feeling guilty not yeah. feeling guilty about it like we're human and the level of consciousness we're on they say is like 3% and you've got people like Gandhi and people you know who are higher up on the levels of consciousness scale for sure nah this is 3% mm. and we do the best we can but without the, the beating ourselves up and just knowing that we are all human you know what some what we're going through somebody else has been through or is also experiencing it well so it's okay and it's just how long do we want to feel like that for can we release that tension again and go ah that's the solution i need gentle with the process speeding up where we can but you know being gentle and, and honest and open with ourselves because it's the kali yuga man like the world's a mess we're in the we're in it the is. destructive periods and it is and we have to make the most of it yeah. really do great time to be alive like define ourselves yes. now yeah. the, the, the more darkness there is the stronger the light that's going to shine and that is defined what energy we're carrying around and, and what do we want how selfless we can be and it's through your actions like we can talk words on this podcast and say we could just be chatting our own egos up here exactly, you know again yeah, it's what yeah. do, what and we, we could be stroking our own ego at the moment but it's the actions that you take and it's the subtleties of your actions that you take as well and other people can observe them and I, I remember reading I don't know if it was the Gita or whether it was from someone else and and it definitely was from Hinduism maybe Sadhguru but it, the person said that you should never you should never compliment yourself in any way so even if you find like this is the West, Eastern approach even if you find like okay I'm really good at this or I'm really good at this you shouldn't compliment yourself in a way that elevates you so you can say I'm good at I don't know typing or I'm good at playing cricket or I'm good at playing football or breathwork or your bow staff that's great but you never elevate yourself and, and, and think I'm I'm damn good wow mm. I'm proud of myself for being good it's the pride that strokes the ego mm. and that's when you're back again starting again from ground one where, where you have to kind of break that ego down and you have to like we said the analogy of the, the, the seeds and the weeds um, does the actual 
flower itself become the weed. Mm. So, yeah, and it's a really fascinating process. And I think we mentioned this previously, but sharing this with the rest of the world on a platform that no one knows you on is dangerous. Having these sort of conversations with a person that knows you quite well is the perfect sort of situation to be in. You know, so when they talk about guys should open up, yes, guys should open up, but maybe not to the rest of the world. Maybe in their little smaller groups or their friends and stuff, that's the time to open up mm-hmm. um, to individuals that know you and will not judge you when you when you say certain things. But in a platform, whether they judge you on a positive note or a negative note, it's extremely dangerous. Um, and especially since social media has only been around for 10 years. Yeah. You know, so. It's such a big point with the social media being such a short amount of time and how we use it because, oh, that person's sharing out there. Oh, shit, man. Yes. And then um, <laughs> you know, Fight Club, I think Fight Club's a really good analogy for what we're saying at the time, like Tyler Durgeon's philosophy on things that, you know, when you said about the superheroes, I always dreamed of being Spider-Man. Like, any power would be Spider-Man swinging around and cool. You know, and you, and you always sort of put it on that archetype of being a hero while, you know, how many, one of the big reasons in the gym, but being getting big muscles, being strong, looking at the, the role and whatnot. And, and like Tyler Durden's view on it is that, you, you know, you, you're not that individual snowflake and the world is messed up and you stop trying to be perfect because you can't be. And it's like, ah, there's something in that. And I don't think it's nihilistic if you've got the balance and the understanding of the mm. things that you are all of this stuff. It's just, what do you want to, dis- not display, but what do you want to bring into the world? Which a- attribute of it? Acknowledge that the darkness and the, the crappy parts are there, mm. but you don't succumb to it. You, you, you accept it. There was a, an episode of the Clone Wars once and it was where Yoda was fighting the dark shadow of himself and he couldn't defeat it, he couldn't kill it. And it was only till he accepted it, but left it. Right. As that realization comes, you go, ah, you can't defeat your darkness. You can't kill it and just be this full being of light. Well, you know, maybe to that point of alignment that we want to get to, mm. but you can't destroy it you have to know that it's there mm. and not let it overcome you. Yes. You know, and yeah. it's like, a, you, you tame it in a way. You tame it. That's a beautiful analogy. Um, Star Wars, all the stuff that we mentioned today in terms of the media that we're talking about, they are they have really deep underlying themes. And yeah, it's, it's it just reminded me of the vigilante complex where you think, you know, this is one of the reasons why vigilantes don't work in today's world. You know, in a fictional world, yes you can get away with it and even like in certain fictional worlds when they explore the idea quite deeply it doesn't work like for example Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy you know in that world Batman caused more problems than than if he didn't exist in that Mm. world if he just let things be people like the Joker would not come about you know that that was created that was breeded because the the, the existence of Batman created such a uh, an individual so yeah, we just have to be very mindful about this. And again, the individual usually is us. The, like you said, it's the shadow self. It's You are not willing to face yourself in the mirror and say, am I the issue? And when we try and put the issue on other people and say, they're the problem, it's a lot easier to say, okay, we, we just need to eradicate them, as opposed to looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I need to eradicate this issue, or not even eradicate it, but I need to accept this issue. And I need to, like you said, you know, be aware when it does come into play and maybe brush it aside or maybe really try and tackle it then but not always thinking that if I get rid of it once it's going to be gone forever mm. you know so <laughs> it definitely isn't and that as well man like with the Batman analogy it's the world is the reflection like whatever we're feeling is like okay I've, I can help in this way I'm going to get rid of that problem 
that's all you're looking for is that problem you're that mirror aspect of you will be out there somewhere it's like i'm holier than this or Mm. that's an issue or i'm going to save it this way or i'm going to teach everybody to breathe there's always going to be people who can't breathe correctly and and they're struggling and i could be hell-bent on i will not stop till i've cured this the world is way bigger and has way bigger grand intentions and what we're capable of of amassing it's only our limited ego that thinks it's going to solve these issues But there's reasons why we have these issues, these problems, our own karmas, our own things to untangle, our own understandings. If I've not felt shit, I, I, I don't, I won't get this bounce back into my spirituality. It's become stronger because mm. of it. But it's having the mindset of doing this up and down thing, not letting that happen again is so relevant, but going, ah, the fire's in me again. Let's be smoother with it this time. Mm. Learning the craft of pottery, making the pot so it's not falling apart or it's not, you know, overly grand it's like, oh, okay you've got to maneuver with it so whatever element we're at the mirror reflection will be out there this is why becoming selfless or empty inside empty in the sense of um oh, spacious because i think empty comes across as a cold word but what we are the purity of what we are without having to fix and amend and resist or oppose all of it just all of it space inside and mm. doing what comes for you in that zen state that book um zen and the art of archery man great great yeah. but i think that's that'll be a chat for another we'll time. talk about in the next one but i'll just finish this off with an analogy that really describes everything that we just said um it's by um an iskon monk called gorgo baldas and he says that material sort of uh, material sort of, what what's the word i'm looking for <laughs> material pursuit breeds information it brings you information but spiritual pursuit brings you transformation Mm. so a pure intended spiritual pursuit will bring you awareness and you will realize that okay this is something that i want to focus on i want to internalize everything focus on this and let the external take care of itself as long as i'm fine on the inside and i'm doing the best i can on the inside like again the actions will speak for themselves you don't need to say anything but then if you're chasing the materialistic aspect not in the sense that I want cars I want I want women I want fame in the sense that I'm going to externalize it and I'm going to solve it in the outside that chase will not will only breed information and not transformation mm. but yeah perfect mate that was amazing yeah. so this was podcast number 28 it's going to be in the usual areas um, yeah just it was an amazing podcast right we're good done combo, man. good see you guys in the next one <laughs>